Good evening. I'd like to call the Parks and Rec Commission meeting to order this evening, and especially I'd like to welcome all those who are with us this evening. Grateful that you're here. So my name is Alex Hackman, um, and uh, just so grateful everybody's here in attendance. So uh, we'll proceed to the second item on the agenda: approval of the January 11th minutes. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Down. Motion. Motion. Is there a second? I'll second it. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? At this time, we um, it's open for public comment for any items not on the agenda. And we'll be, as kind of instructed here, limiting uh, to three minutes per person for um, those that may be new or here for the first time. And so that's just by kind of city practice that. We don't have the big clock, so I'll I'll do my best to do it on here and we'll be we'll be gentle about it, but just so you know, you won't have the, the clock in front of you. So is, are there any public comment items that are not on the agenda? Yeah. Um, I've got a handout for everyone here. And if you could state your name. Oh yeah, well. Justin Fishbach, sorry, yeah. Iowa City. If you want to pass those those things around I got couple comments, there's graphs that we can Oh, and is there, when this thing gets... It started, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Does, does this thing get incorporated into the official minutes? It's not in the out? minutes. Well, I'll let you know. Okay. If you send it to us ahead of time, we can send it out in the packets okay. as correspondence. So can we send it afterwards? Too? So it would be included as correspondence in the next month's packet. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so we, we prepared a handout for you uh, to help with the review of pool use data that is provided to you each month by Parks and Rec's department. Our goal is to get accurate pool use counts so that we can all make informed decisions about the future of our aquatic centers. First, we'd like to point out that we do not count users two to three times because we don't provide cumulative attendance data. What we do is we count people in the pool at 30 minute intervals while the pool is open. So that's all we do. You know, 8.30, somebody makes a count, makes a count. What we found when reviewing each monthly report from Parks and Rec's department uh, in the last three months anyway, is that there are gross errors at times and these errors can be significant over a one month time span. For example, on December 9th, and that's one of the examples on there, Parks and Rec reported zero scans from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., while citizens counted 13 pool users that were later confirmed by reviewing pool security video that we obtained through a public information request. What we found is that when the equivalent pool hours are compared between Robert E. Lee and Mercer and normalized for the large difference in size between the two pools so that we have an apples to apples comparison, the total REL pool use is one and a half times more than Mercer for the fourth quarter of 2022. Um, and these results confirm the robust use of the REL pool that citizens have consistently described. So I hope you take a good look at that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Karen Green. I'm from Iowa City, and my sons, also known as my bosses, are here with you. Emails. So you wondering why am I giving you emails? 
is because I am a Robert A. Lee Pool user. I love the Robert A. Lee Pool. I use it many times a week. And there's been questions about pool usage, although I agree with my friend Justin, I think it's robust. One issue that's come up is how to increase pool use. Thank you, honey. And here's a way. Marketing. I get emails from Coralville Parks and Recreation inviting me to Aquasize. And it's tempting. They tell me when, they tell me where, they tell me what. And they reach out to me. I think one of the problems with Robert A. Lee Pool, I've never gotten any promotional materials. Maybe I missed it, possible, but I don't recall it. And it's hard to bring people in if they don't know you're here. So it's both for aqua size and for swim lessons. Oh, and speaking of swim lessons, I want to thank whoever is responsible for adding the level six pool. My boys are here tonight because they're going to a swim lesson right after this. Um, so for swim lessons, for aqua size, for all aspects of Roger Lee pool use, I think marketing would be great. The other thing is I'm a frequent swimmer Sunday evenings, and there are oftentimes families here, and families who maybe aren't strong swimmers. But there's no indication here at Robert A. Lee that there are swim lessons. You have to go online. First, you have to know they're here. Then you have to go online. I spend my life online. Mm -hmm. I work at a desk. I can do everything I need to do online except manage active net here. I always have to go to the front desk to get them to sign me up and sign my voice up. It's a cumbersome process, and if people don't have ready access to computers, it's going to be hard. So I suggest that there be some kind of advertising for the families who come so they can learn. They, they want to be in the water, and I think everybody wants them to be safe in the water. So advertising swim lessons, advertising aquasize, I think is really moving in the direction I think everybody wants to go. Thank you. And welcome to the new members. <laughs> So I'm going to have Kumi Morris, our facility manager, come up for the Parks and Rec Commission. Uh, you don't get to see Kumi all that often. Kumi is another member of our team, the same as Brad and Tyler, who you see almost every month. Um, but Kumi's role is as in charge of all the facilities. So everything uh, that keeps us in business with heating, cooling, um, the buildings around us. And uh, she's here to talk to you about the project we're planning for Mercer Entry and Lighting. And I'm going to have the screen away. If you don't mind, I'll turn the lights off. It might be easier to repeat that. What do you think? Oh, it's still is that too hard? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. Hello, as Julie said, my name is Kumi Morris, and I'm the city's facilities manager. Uh, I'm very excited to present this project to you today. It's something that we've been working on for some time. And, um, You'll see it on the Future Council agenda as a Mercer Aquatic Center and Scanlon Gym Exterior Accessibility and Lighting Improvements Project. The project um, started as a, a project to replace the lighting, exterior lighting all around the building, um, some of that, which was uh, from 1988, uh, I believe. And then 
also to um, look and rectify the paving and sidewalks that are all around the building that presently do not meet um, the thresholds for ADA. And so um, this is a long time coming and it's going to be a great project. So I'm just going to move through these slides and describe the project for you. So here's the site, and as you can see, um, there, there's a lot of sidewalk on the site, right up to um, Bradford Drive, down to um, the base of the building, and also um, from the parking ramp, uh, parking lot, excuse me, from the south um, to the front. And when we looked at the painting around the structure, we were looking at all this area here in terms of trying to figure out how to make sure that. Um, as much as we can possibly get is accessible to the entry of the building. So it's a lot, it's a, that's a lot of concrete. Um, as you can see, we, there's a lot of, we have a number of issues with uh, the current pathways. Um, you see this crack at the bottom is something that we see almost every, um, every time we replace it, it comes back um, because there's a, um, a water pipe underneath that we're going to go through and do some of these changes. We're changing some of the subgrades to be able to handle some of the, um, the cracks and some of the issues that we're seeing. So you can see that around the building probably now and uh, throughout the spring until this project is complete. Um, also, um, around the building you'll see, um, especially around the front, you'll see areas of small, which means that the parts of the tops of the concrete panels have come off. Um, you'll see cracks between the panels and chips. Um, another thing that uh, we've done over the years is, is Damage, but where things have heaved and some of the panels have come up, we come back in and um, brought in contractors and our, some of our staff actually who come in and ground down some of those areas so that we don't have um, uh, differences between the panels and the true hazards. But it's you know, something that we've come back to um, uh, continually to do some repairs. I'm going to see that um, there's lots of displacement of sidewalks. One of the other things that we'll be looking at is replacing the lighting. Um, right now, we have the 1988 uh, in-ground uh, lighting. We can't even get the ballast for these lights anymore. And you'll see that there's this uh, there's a circular um, um, well lights that are present there. We'll also be um, replacing the um, building lampposts with LED lighting and the bike racks. The presently there will be removed. I will be encouraging folks to use the play um, station um, bike rack that's to the east of the building. This, I included this picture because it gives you an idea of what kind of slope that we're working with and trying to um, meet to have um, to the current ADA standards. Um, the slope that it, you're supposed to see in front of a structure like this is about a 5% slope. This is way, well beyond that. And so, you know, this is some of the challenges that the um, civil engineers are going through and trying to get this to, to work appropriately. Um, also, the parking areas that we have, both in front of the building and also the ADA spots um, to the, um, I guess it would be to the south on um, the east lot, um, are not ADA compliant. And presently, the slopes don't meet that um, um, compliancy. This is a view of, um, of the same parking area, um, and the, um, it doesn't mean for band spaces, you need 11 feet of space, um, 
and also curb cuts, aisle widths, um, paving markings, and the signage don't presently meet the current uh, code. Um, here is a view um, approaching um, from the southwest. You can see the, um, the road um, is in pretty rough condition. And um, that's one of the things that we'll be addressing as we go through and, um, and improve the parking area. We'll also be um, looking at um, this section of road, um, not necessarily all the way to Bradford Drive, but just around that view bed there where it uh, has the most, uh, most issues. Presently, this is the paved area. I'm showing this image because in the next one you'll see the change that we're making. So right now, there's a lot of there's a lot of concrete paving right in front of the building, and we will be taking that and reducing some of that and adding a lot more green space. And so this is presently the amount of um, paving that's there, and that we are looking at that um, east side, and we will be going to this. And so I'm just going to keep this up a little quickly here. But um, everything that is dotted shows um, shows green space. So um, what is presently all this that's filled in in terms of concrete will be will be removed and um, going to green space. We will keep a pathway that goes to um, that area that's right in front of the Procter Gamble room, and then um, and then some of these other areas where we're taking out some of the um, you know concrete and cleaning some of this up will all be going to. So instead of a large concrete plaza in front of the building, it'll be mostly green space with a nice wide sidewalk to get to the front entrance. And the good part of that was not only to add more green space, but also to um, to try to mitigate some of the slope issues we have in terms of trying the ADA compliance. Um, one thing I want to point out is you'll notice that we're going to be removing um, the, some of the, side, the sidewalk path that's presently here. And I'll talk about that here in the next so, um, so we'll be removing the southwest um, sidewalk um, from Mercer Park, and that's, you can kind of see that right, right there. And then also we'll be uh, removing the crossing uh, from the corner to the building. And what we'll be doing instead is um, create a new crossing, and uh, that will be on uh, the south side of the park. So removing the concrete here, and then creating an ADA path with the appropriate slopes and crossing here. And the main reason for that is that um, one will have will be better sight lines for cars coming around the corner. You know, not having kids crossing or families crossing right there where they're turning and not necessarily able to see that there's someone darting across the road to the park. And so it's a, it's a much safer um, it's, a, it's a much safer way to do that. And also. Um, it creates uh, an ability for folks who are parking over here and getting to the park to have uh, a safe passage to the park from the parking lot side as well. So um, with the project, we'll also be, uh, as I mentioned earlier, changing out some of the parking. Um, one of the things that um, we'll be looking at meeting is um, the appropriate um, spaces um, and uh, widths for, for uh, van spaces. And um, with that, we'll be increasing the um, spaces with one additional parking space. And um, my favorite part of the project is the new light. So, um, so we will be looking at um, two types of fixtures that will be going on the site. Um, when we look at lighting for um, city facilities, and especially recreation centers, there's a number of things that we have to consider. One is, of course, we're all going to LED. That's a, a no-brainer now. 
And then the other thing that we look at is um, lights that actually meet the what's called the design um, lighting consortium. And then that's a verified um, system of looking at whether or not are the um, lights actually high quality and do they meet um, current energy codes and um, are they actually energy efficient. Um, and so, that's, so that narrows down the types of fixtures that are out there. Um, we also look at the local um, lighting codes. So because of uh, where this is at, they have to be down lights and not up lights. So that's uh, going to be an improvement from the permanents don't presently meet that since they're up lights. And then also um, we look at what's required in terms of mid-American energy rebates, so we get the biggest bang for our buck in terms of lighting. And then um, we try to get lights that have a five-year warranty, um, are vandal resistant, and um, that's particularly important at something like around the recreation center. It's actually interesting when you look at a lot of these lights that are out there and they're programming or advertising, they show kids hitting things like this with a baseball bat to give you an idea of like how um, how vandal resistant they are, but they're um, so trying to find something that meets all these criteria is something that was important. Um, we also looked at um, ease of maintenance and aesthetics. So what is something that can fit to the modern, streamlined um, um, aesthetics of the building? And um, so, um, you know, one of the things that we looked at were uh, in terms of maintenance, we look at things that in terms of finishes, we try to find fixtures that don't require painting because that's something with this, you know, environment and the weather is. Um, something that is um, difficult to maintain. So if we can find an, an aluminum finish or a gabalum finish, that's a really that's a big plus for our, our maintenance staff. And then also a huge thing is finding parts that are easily available. And so you, know, you might get a really great fixture, but you might find that to replace that LED light, you know, two years down the line, you're ordering it from Godwin's Ware, and who knows how long it'll take to get it when it goes out. And so having those things are, they're really, so meeting all these criteria, here's the pair of lights that we found. So we'll be replacing the in-ground lights, and those are, um, we can see um, that what we also call well lights, the halide lights, um, with this baller fixture. Um, the in-ground, those pictures on the, on the bottom, with the, is what I just took those yesterday morning, so you kind of get a feel for um, the condition that they're in. Um, a lot of moisture issues, they don't produce a lot of anything for the ones that do presently work. So this will be a great change. And also, as you can see from the, um, the picture of the one on the um, right, it does get covered with material, especially in the winter. And so they're not necessarily a great fit for something when you're trying to illuminate the sidewalks and so forth. So this new picture, we're actually going with, um, hard to tell the difference, but we're actually going with this one, which is called a school baller. And it's made with um, it's a steel base, and it will have um, these wings, and Appropriately, um, the fins should make it a little more vandal resistant. So, um, see, and then we'll be replacing the exterior um, fixtures. Sure, the top left there with this, um, the radiant post top, and um, that is a fixture we were looking for something in terms of finish and quality that matched the fathers. There's, um, these, there's only a few of these, and but there's many, many balls around the building. And with this one, it has about a 24 width um, uh, light span, and um, and it meets all of the uh, qualifications in terms of the things that we were looking for in terms of ease of maintenance, ability to get replacement parts, um, and then also um, uh, has that streamlined look that the ballers have. Um, so we're working on our rebates, and it looks like there's a projected um, uh, return within five years. So the cost of installing these lights 
um, will be the payback will be within five years, which is pretty great. We try we try to aim for a seven to ten, but five is excellent. So this will be a uh, fantastic improvement. And lastly, the project schedule. And so um, we are hoping to receive all of our final plans tomorrow. I'm meeting with our engineers tomorrow to go through them. We're looking at um, uh, starting the council process on March 1st. Um, we're setting the public hearing. So we all goes well on March 7th, having the public hearing on the 21st of March. And then um, we will, um, we haven't set our pre-bid meeting, but that's the meeting that the architects and the owners meet with um, potential um, contractors that are interested in Bidding the project, we'll be doing a walkthrough on the site and discussing how the bid process works. And then um, we hope to take bids on April 12th. And then um, pending bids, council will have action on the 18th of April. Um, so in terms of scheduling, we're looking at phasing right now on this. Uh, there may be some adjustment here, but we're looking at late May phasing for um, the first and second phases uh, with parts of the building. And then um, and also, um, the road closure hasn't been set yet in terms of when we're going to be doing that. But we do want to set the um, final phase, which is the area that's right directly in front of the building where we'll be doing some kind of closure. We're looking at um, the first part of September. Um, these dates, when we set this up, the intent was to look at, one, trying to get the best pricing that we can, and also to get um, the best contractors that we and one of the things that we have, which is a good and bad thing, and I was sitting here trying to bid projects, is that we're competing with um, University of Iowa, which also tries to develop the projects in the summer, and then the school district as well. And so, with you know, those closures and big entities that are also bidding, you know, big, uh, especially paving projects, concrete projects, which are ideal to have done in the summer, we try to set up with many of our um, own building projects so they don't, so they miss those timelines. And so that's why before school gets out and after school starts. Um, the other thing that we're looking at is um, early part of September is generally also when we redo our, um, go through and redo our gym floors. And so we know that that um, will be closing part of the building down for that anyways. And so we're trying to wind that all up so it has the least amount of inconvenience to, um, to the user groups. So that's, that's the plan so far. That's the project. Any questions? How tall were some of those? I was trying to see the height so far. Is how tall for the different varying uh, lighting options? You know, I, I believe so it would be very slightly. Um, I believe that the ballers are about four, about four feet. Okay. okay. And then the the taller lights, I believe, you know what? I'm not even going to say because so I'm going to get it wrong unless I have, but I can get that. They're yeah. 10 feet. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think it's, yeah, it's open. I think they're 10, about 10. Did you um, look at uh, like kind of traffic flow around that around that bend? It just I always depending on the time of day you go, like how sometimes it's a bottleneck there. Mm -hmm. People will try to like you know you naturally like kind of if you're coming in off of Bradford, you park sort of slanted and you back and some people like kind of back out and try to do U turn to go back. I just was curious if you looked at addressing any of that. We actually corrected part of that earlier this year, or end of last year, so it's no longer a one way through there for one thing, so you can go both ways already, and that's already helped some, but somewhat limited around that curve, what could be done. 
I was just curious. Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, the main um, project lead on this is a civil engineer from Tri-Pattery, and so he, he was the one that helped us look at looking at you know what one how far do we bring those permit spaces in so we have a little bit of room there in terms of so we know we have a lot, we know we have issues with bottom line there are people who pull in not to mention that you know, we have unloading that happens there with our staff and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of action and then we have all those like ton of junior high kids at three o'clock every day so there's a lot physically going on in terms of the, the views um, I think you know the main thing in terms of one of the things that we were trying to mitigate is how to deal with that crossing and making sure we got rid of that and or worked that in different locations so that you didn't have that one other thing that was happening um, and it's such a um, busy corner. You had mentioned moving or removing some of the bike racks. Can you talk about, I maybe didn't catch all of that sure. or the details of that. So um, the existing bike racks that are there, um, what we're trying to do is we have a play bike rack off to the, um, to the east and so downtown. Yeah, the one that used to be downtown is the main low grade. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. And so we're trying to encourage folks to use use that bike rack. Um, we found that, on, especially on the one that's on the, um, to the, I guess it would be the northern um, most one, we find that oftentimes bikes are just left there. And so, that, you know, we've had issues with block the sidewalk and so forth. And so, um, especially after 3 o'clock with that major use. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that the, did instigate an issue with the travel path. And so um, when we looked at trying to figure out what made the most sense um, in terms of making sure that we met the ADA, didn't create other issues, that was, that's what was decided. And you did catch the part that the building will be closed to the public those first couple weeks in September, most likely. So that's important for all of you to know to pass along to your neighbors and friends if they say, why is worship closed? because of the entrance work. We are looking at a possibility of being able to still accommodate the swim team use from the school district, having them go through a side door. It wouldn't be public swim use, but we think we can accommodate the school district use during that time. Um, and as Kimmy mentioned, that's when we're gonna redo the gym. So it's, it's kind of a bonus that the building will be closed. We talked with the school district and with all of our other user groups before choosing those dates. And that's one of the lower use times for us to do it. Follow question if there are other events going on during that time, usually, but it's great. It's also great to see just more ADA compliance, just accessibility, and making sure everyone can take part in it. So, thank you. Always for you. Any other questions or comments from the commission? So, it would be uh, appropriate for the commission to have a motion if you're in favor of the project to recommend it moving forward. So, a motion to recommend the project as outlined by who? Second. I can't okay. So, uh, do you want to do a motion first? I thought you were just talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Don't say to say it. Okay, I think the motion then. I'll say it. 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 I'll Six months, right? Just about six months. Um, and she's going to fill you in on some of the new things that she's been doing with our programming and outreach programs. Some of it happening at Mercer. Yeah. 
So I foresee the adaptive and inclusive um, programming as well as outreach. So some of the changes I've made since I've started is I know that we are underserving our youth in as far as air or the adaptive and inclusive. We've changed the acronym, now we're calling it AIR. So if you hear that, that's what we're talking about. It used to be SPY. So it, you'll yes. see it in some of our other documents as SPY, which was Special Population Yes, and those those terms are not appropriate to use anymore. So we're changing them over to adaptive and inclusive, and it is a little bit of a slow slow process because that acronym is hidden everywhere. So as we find it, we're replacing it. It's taking a little bit of time. So one of the things we're discussing or looking at is offering youth programming for um, children with disabilities. We're doing this uh, starting this season. We're providing some cooking classes, which have been really well received as far as registration. They haven't happened yet. But they are, I've had parents that are very excited. We're also offering just one-time events as far as like um, craft programs or fitness programs. We're looking to build on family opportunities. Right now, the really the struggle is with youth participants who have disabilities, typically that requires a lot more staffing, and depending on their needs. So as we get to know the population, we can more specify and um, and offer programming that's specifically for our for the children. But right now, until we get to know them and their families and can get comfortable with us, we're offering family programming as well. So um, some of our more popular programs that we do with our adults are like our karaoke events and our bingo events. We have like Yahtzee and card games. So what we've done is offered a second option along with those um, as a family opportunity for people to bring their families in and do those same, some, same activities that are very popular, but to uh, kind of get to know our staff and get to know the process and see what people are interested in. Um, today we've only had one program, youth program so far. Uh, we're, we're kind of taking lower registration as we start building our, our user group. And we had a really good successful event. We made junk robots, so we used recycled items and made uh, creations. And a lot of parents chose to stay and help assist with those activities. Uh, but we ended up with a, a five, I think five children that attended that, and it was very well received. We had to like, remind them that the hour was up because they were so involved, which was really wonderful. So that being said, we're also looking a little bit at summer camp opportunities. Uh, I'm not. I'm still getting used to or new, I'm new to Iowa City. I'm from Iowa, but not Iowa City. So I'm still learning a little bit about what opportunities are out there for individuals with disabilities, especially youth-wise. Uh, I'm looking at working with the school district to see what they're what they're offering as far as education and seeing how we can complement that. So if they're doing a half-day education piece, we would like to do a half-day, the other half of the day, as a camp opportunity. So it'll start small, maybe 10 kids, um, and again, building that as we, we learn our user group and see what the, the interest is from the community. It's very challenging to get in with youth because the parents are, as they should be, very protective, and so it's gonna take a little bit for them to get comfortable with us to see what we're able to do to kind of trust us, so we'll have to do a lot of trust building. Um, but if we can get those individuals in the door, that's people that we can keep for life. You know, We could serve them uh, well into their elderly years and, and provide programming throughout their whole lives, which is just really would be ideal for what we're, we're doing and how we're serving. So along with that, we're also one of the changes that I made because I am a therapeutic rec uh, specialist is that I've started adding goals to all the programs that we're offering. So with that, um, that is the mark of therapeutic rec, which makes it so that there's a, a, an achievable or a goal-oriented uh, aspect to the programming. 
So if somebody is getting funding or they have a goal within their group home to work on cooking skills, then they can see in our program description, this program is going to work on cooking skills, it's going to look on fine motor, it's going to be social, it's going to be leisure skills, and have all those things listed. So hopefully that will help people that maybe are interested in our programs but they really need to focus on achieving those goals then be uh, you know, more interested in our programming as well. So lots of little changes with, with the adaptive and inclusive, but also on the outreach side, um, we are looking to provide a lot more small one-time events. So just a couple hours to celebrate like the small, I don't want to say smaller holidays, but like the more cultural holidays. Uh, so we are going to do like a Black History Month event uh, where we'll focus on quilts of freedom. The Underground Railroad will talk about some different things of what the quilt patterns mean, because I'm a quilter like Julie, so I love that stuff too. So we'll talk about what there's you know, hidden messages in the quilts that they would use and how they would present them, and we'll talk about that with the children. And then we'll show a, a documentary or a movie to go along with that. So we'll provide that for Black History Month. We're going to do Women's History Month as well. And then um, because I'm really into civil rights and disabilities right now, we're going to do a disability civil rights event as well to talk about the revolution of disability, how those individuals gained a lot of independence, and the battles that they went through in order to get that. So the, the basic premise is going to be some activities, some children activities, crafts, uh, different movement things, and then with the documentary involved as well. So we've had our first one for uh, Therapeutic Recreation Month, it was last, uh, last weekend, and we didn't get very many uh, people attending, but you know the crowd was good for what we had. We're hoping to build on that and maybe get a little bit better with our marketing, get out to more people, bigger reach, and hopefully build that program in the future. Do you guys have any questions over anything? That all sounds awesome. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm wondering you. Like, when you say inclusive, is that like, so the children with disabilities are included with their typical peers? Yes, thank you for asking that, because I did kind of forget that piece. So we are working at providing more of an inclusive environment as well. So one thing that I also noticed when I came here, because my last job was completely just inclusion, is that we're not really providing those one-on-one -on -one opportunities to assist in other quote-unquote typical programs. So we are going to be providing that as well, especially over summer. Usually summer camp is when we see a lot of that. But providing um, different modifications and accommodations in order for those people to be included in, in the, all the programs that we're offering. So you may have noticed in our last program guide, there's blurbs in every section that talks about inclusion. And um, you know, if you need any modifications or adaptations in order to participate, to reach out to me. So that might be um, something as simple as you know providing a larger print uh, activity guide, or it could be providing a, a, an actual human to help them, you know, one on one or like work through that program. So that'll be on a needed basis and based off that individual's abilities and needs to participate in that program. Because it could also be adaptive equipment. So we'll just look at that case by case and provide that as needed. But that's typically a pretty big need in the community. So if we can provide that, I think it'll be we'll be able to reach a lot more of those families that are are not getting services yet right now. Yeah, I think it's a huge need. I'm a physical yes. therapist in the school. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, and so it's like, you know, how do we get rec leisure for for these kiddos? Yes. And a lot of times there isn't there isn't options. But it's nice to hear, like, they just need to reach out. Like, you can provide an adult to help yes. and build trust, you know, um, that, that kind of thing. It's hard to leave your kid. It is, and I, I totally understand that. I've been doing this for a very long time, and I think building those relationships with the parents are just as important as building them with the parent, the, fam the individual that's getting the services. It makes them know that you're capable, that they can trust you, but it also, 
parents are always the number one most knowledgeable person for that child. So if you're having any struggles or you need any assistance adapting, like they're they're wealth of knowledge. So mm -hmm. having the, that communication, open communication relationship is so important. That's awesome. Because that friend friendships are huge, right? Yes. So like where do you make friends? Sometimes in school, but mostly what you what your interests are. Yeah. And when they do exit interviews of kids with cerebral palsy, they all say, I didn't have any friends. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a huge, like, I don't care what the math teacher did, I wanted a friend. Right. And so, this is great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Really, I think we can really build it. And, and mm -hmm. IOC District isn't, like, all the preschools are fully, it's inclusive. They, oh, yeah. You know, we used to have separate programs for people, but now everything's inclusive. Yes. And I think that there's value to both. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely believe in inclusion. I think that that serves both the individual that's being included as well as the other individuals in the program. Like, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah. But there's also a lot of value in like individual programs for people with disabilities because it's a sense of community. It's you know, seeing yourself and the people around you, yeah. um, somebody that knows your struggle. So I think that it's important to have the balance and offer both. Yeah, you can take your time. Do, right, you're not judged. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Great, yeah. thank you. What, and what ages are the youth? Like the cooking class was what ages? Oh, so we're doing youth is from six to se uh, sixteen. So we're not trying to do preschool yet. That's a little uh -huh. bit harder to yeah. gauge, but we're, we're looking at school age. Essentially. Okay. Okay. And so any disability. Yes. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Um, this all sounds innovative and creative, and I'm really happy to hear about it. Um, I was thinking it might be a good opportunity with the quilting underground railroad activity to include some of the stops that were on which were part of the underground railroad here in Iowa City. Oh that was specifically a house on Dubuque Street. I okay. mean and that way when they're with a the parent driving they can look for it and point it out and, yeah. and share the history with That's friends. awesome. And just even including a map and a, a front you know picture of it. Yeah. I'll have to do more research on that but yeah I don't okay. think I have I can tell you the house that okay. I that's awesome. Thank you. Um, Are there other things that we as community members can do to help you and support you in these efforts? Oh, you know, honestly, I think that really right now it's the marketing. You know, the master plan and looking through that has recognized that there's not programming happening in our surrounding cities. So I don't know where those individuals are going. So really we are, we should be the one-stop shop. So as long as we can get those people coming in and we can serve them. Um, we have really good registrations. I've actually upped the, the maximum of what we're offering, but we're having really bad turnout with, with um, actual attendance. And that's something that we're working with the group homes with to see what that is. This season we're also offering things at different times to help accommodate and see what's best for their use. But you know, just word of mouth, getting people involved, I think is really great. Staff is always, is always a, a concern. I have fantastic staff, but I could always use more. And the more staff we have, the more programs that we can offer, and the more inclusion that we can offer, too. So, yeah. Any other questions? Thank you so much. You're it's great welcome. to learn more about it. Yes, I really thank appreciate you guys. the touch. Mallory. Mallory Schmeiser, S M Y S O R. On to item number six, first year for Okay, so a couple, several items on the report. You do have a memo in your packet, which is not always the case for me. I went through a couple items that were asked for at the last meeting. So you have information about there was questions about the house by Happy Hollow Park. Um, I think it's been cleaned up from what Chris was referring to, but um, it has been checked. Um, he asked for the contract amount on the rec master plan that's in there. 
And then the list of parks left to be renovated, they're all in there with pictures of what the playgrounds look like in each one of those. And those will probably be um, things we look at on our next tour when we go out as a group and have a group tour together and get you a chance to see, the, see what those parks are like that are left for renovation. Um, also some explanations about the pool counts. Um, obviously you've gotten some new information from our Save Robert A. Lee group. Uh, realize that as staff, every time they're bringing forward one of the times when their counts don't match with ours, we are taking it seriously, looking back, correcting it if we feel like our count was an error. We found it both ways. Sometimes we're an error, sometimes we're not. Um, but realize that going back into each of those months, we are going back and doing any corrections. They don't stand as they, as they were. And now that we're six months into it, we will soon start seeing some trends and we'll start reporting more of those trend numbers. Uh, we're looking into some comparisons of what kind of attendance are the other pools in the area getting. Um, and you know, the University Pool, Coralville, North Liberty. Interesting enough, we're finding that uh, Francis North Liberty doesn't, hadn't counted any better than we had. Uh, had really only counted their paid admissions. So they don't really have pool numbers like we didn't have for years here. So it's, it's just interesting finding that out. Um, but we'll have some more comparisons as we go down the road um, in the next couple of years. Such an ongoing process. Um, so just as you read what they what they have done tonight or given you tonight, we'll have a response for you as well. I haven't seen presented on that. Um, any questions about the items that were in the memo? Oh yeah. Rachel. Oh well, just what you were. Saying. Yeah. Um, how do you recorrect? Do you look at video footage or? We do a little bit of both. So as I explained in the memo, for one thing, uh, we were finding that the 11 to 1 o'clock hour counts were sometimes were off, sometimes by one or two people quite often. What, we're found, what we found is that our counters were counting exactly from 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And there was actually people checking in from like 10.45 until 11. So we were missing a couple of those early check-ins. We have that data in our system, we just weren't pulling it for the count. So we can go back and actually add that time between 10.30 and 11 to all of the months you've seen so far to make sure that. Um, other times there's questions about, uh, they may count bodies in the water, but it may for us be a staff person that is not public use. Um, there's been a couple other, you know, it's been a class, so it's counted in the class column, those kind of things. Okay. So sometimes video, although video is pretty limited in the amount of time we can look back at it, it's 14 days usually, um, and we don't have the full view of the pool, so it's not always the only way we can do that. Yeah. I just because right now I was down there checking, and the, the girl working who was, you know, on her phone, of course. Um, missed two people who came in, and I went up and asked her. And you know, anyway, so I'm just wondering how how seriously are the the young folks taking that? Yeah, honestly, the numbers that we're comparing with the group are not off by more than a few people here and there. So I don't know that. Now it depends on if this time of night they were probably coming in for swimming lessons. So that's counted. Okay. They aren't checked in at the couch gotcha. front okay. desk. They're counted at the pool. So. Uh, we've done spot checks. We've had staff, additional staff, stand back in the hallway and double check that everyone that comes back to the locker rooms had checked in. Um, those have been spot on that, that people had been checking because that's what we thought. People had maybe come in down the stairs and not checked in. Mm -hmm. We didn't find that to be significant. Okay. So 
we're not finding that the differences are generally significant. We've had a few things I mentioned, you know, we had one time we found that one staff member hadn't turned the thing on, turned the equipment on correctly or something, and we retrained that staff. So it's been a good process, um, but I, I still think when you look at the overall trends, you'll see it one way or the other. Um, you know, you'll see the trends overall. Yeah. And I don't know if this applies to this area or something else, but I, a couple of friends have asked why if, we, if it's possible to extend the hours for the pool, because it is, you know, one o'clock it ends and, yeah. and Sunday is busier. So right now the numbers don't support that as far as how busy, the, that's what we've always said. We've watching the attendance numbers in the pool and the actual attendance, and they haven't supported the need for additional hours. So we haven't added hours back in. If our num attendance numbers climb and we feel like there's, we're at capacity or needing more space, We'll look at it. We look at it kind of on each semester basis, so and that hasn't been the case yet. I, we we haven't had full lap lanes for more than you know 15 or 20 minutes any time, and even if full, you know, they're not sharing lap lanes. So, yeah, we just haven't assessed that it's full enough that we would, or that there's a need yet for that. We also look at what the capacity is and how much Mercer's getting used to. So, when you put all those things together, it just hasn't seemed seemed to be yet to expand any hours. Okay. So if more people come in the morning, then that could be reason to expand the hours in the afternoon. Okay. Um, the, uh, the other person uh, brought up about, I guess, email marketing. Can you comment about what, what sort of outreach we do? Yeah, I will. I'm going to, if we could wait and when we get to sure. the rec report, I'll let Brad comment on that. That happens through the rec division. Thanks. I was wondering, you know, we're going to do a tour later on of the ones that need to be redone. And I was wondering at that point, will we give, like, have a chance to give input, like, oh, this would be a good one to make inclusive, or, um, like, help with the design of one of them, maybe. Yeah, and definitely. And okay. you'll have, you get a chance going forward as we, whichever print playgrounds are coming in for that year. Okay. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, when the oh, wheelchair could go on, and just like there's so many really neat new things out there for kids in wheelchairs. So yeah. if we just had one park in the city, that would be cool. Um, well, we do. <laughs> Which one? Pet Mall, Willow Creek Park, um, and we've added ramps to a number of the different playgrounds to make sure that they they can get onto the structure. Yes. Okay. And yeah. Or even like a swing thing. Like yeah. there's so many different little things. Like I love the hammock. You can't hear that in a wheelchair, but you, you, if you get transferred out, you could lay on it. So, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, we, uh, if you, I'll show you on our website. We okay. do list those out and what kind of things have been added in each part. Oh, cool. Okay, thank you. Uh, speaking of playgrounds, sorry, did you have something, Dolores? Oh, okay. Speaking of playgrounds, we're still waiting for the proposals to come back again on Happy Hollow. Um, we ended up giving them until this Friday to, for the playground manufacturers to give us the proposals. So you'll see that next month. Um, the other thing that had been planned initially for this month was the Berkshire Park Athletic Field Project. We held on in that, unfortunately due to more of a paperwork error than anything, but we, we were having some issues with the contract happening on that, and, and so we felt better waiting another month before going forward with that presentation for you. Um, if you've been watching anything about the state legislature and I haven't watched what happened today, um, they've been making some changes that are going to affect city budgets. Um, they, they are changing the rollback due, due to what was essentially an accounting error earlier last fall. Uh, it will mean 
several couple million dollars less in revenue here in Iowa City for our operating budgets. Not within just parks and recreation, but throughout the entire city. So just to be aware that we're kind of heading into a different type of budget situation where we have um, approved a budget, looking forward to how we're going to operate for the next year, and now most likely are going to have to go back and look at where we can trim things and where we can save money or um, staffing may not move forward as fast as we'd hope with some of the you know, full-time replacements, those kind of things. Um, it's just the nature of what's happening, but if at all, it's uh, it's not anything in our budget process this time, and it's a change being made kind of late in the game for the state. And then a couple things to look forward to. Uh, most likely next month we'll have a more of a recreation program focused meeting and rec goals that have to do with our rec, uh, the master plan process. And then at another meeting later this spring, we're going to invite you all to do a tree planting at McPherson Park. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that'll be our meeting for the night. It'll be a forestry focus. Uh, they just got a couple cool new trucks and equipment. We'll have those out there to talk to you about everything happening in forestry and get you hands on to plant some new trees in that park. So look forward to that. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Fred. Yes. So I'll address the question about the communications and what we're doing there uh, to share all the different programs and events that, we're, that we have in the community. So a couple years ago, our staff worked on um, a program and event classification guide. Um, up to that point, there was a lot of a lot of different ways about promoting different programs and events within our department. We wanted to streamline that so everyone within our division was on the same page as far as how we promote those programs and events to the community. So we broke it down by events, kind of looking at, we have different partners with the event, how do we promote that? A lot of that's through social media and things of that sort. But with the programs that we have, so like Water Fitness would be one of the programs that we have, new sports, um, any of those different types of programs that we have, there is an onus on the recreation program supervisor. We don't want to blast out every single program that we have through social media because then it just starts to just crowd up our feed and it's just it's just noise for everybody when they're looking for it. We really want our posts that we have to be very intentional with what we're trying to post out there so that we're getting eyeballs on it. So there's more of a responsibility on the recreation program supervisors to utilize ActiveNet in particular. So ActiveNet is our, our registration software system that we use. Um, and we have a very robust database at this point. We've been using that system for about 10 years. And so we have um, contact information, we have ages of everybody that's, that's, um, that's in the system that's signed up for an account at some point. We have a history of all the different programs that they're signed up for. So with that, we have the tools in ActiveNet to be able to filter that down and say, all right, we've got this program for five to eight-year-olds in arts and crafts, for example. So we can filter that down and we can look at all the different kids that would be in that age group that has taken similar programs to that in the past, and we can send them something through ActiveNet, which hits their email account, so it's basically a newsletter of sorts, um, that says, hey, here's some upcoming activities that we think you might enjoy. And so we, we actually do a lot of targeted marketing for the different programs that we have. Um, each program supervisor is responsible for that. Some programs need more um, promoting than other, than other programs. Um, we also try to find a balance between 
um, promoting different programs that we really maybe need a little additional pro uh, um, people signing up for versus just hammering people all the time these different emails so that they get to a point where they just want to unsubscribe from it. I know I've been on some email lists where I just get hit with emails every single day. It's like, oh, I haven't done with that. So we want to try to find that balance where they still stay engaged, they're actually opening the emails and reading them. So, so we do that, it's just kind of finding that balance. Any questions on, on kind of what we do there? Yeah, you talk about the names you have in the active mm -hmm. that database, but how about getting new names? How, how what's that outreach for getting new people who might be interested in swim lessons, like sure. the speakers said? Or so that that's primarily, as far as the new names is concerned, that's primarily from people that are signing up for programs. Now, one of the things that we've talked about, and I'll be able to share more about this um, next month when we talk about some of the different preparation goals that we have. Uh, we've been having some interesting discussions with our recreation division staff on the goals that are most important to us that we're taking away from the recreation program uh, master plan um, and communications was a big part of that you know we 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 recognize that our method to reach a large um, contingent of the population there's a lot of people that aren't engaged with what we're doing with recreation and the conversation that we're having is how do we extend that out so that we can better reach people that aren't actually participating in recreation right now because a lot of what we found one of the barriers that we found is that people don't even know that parks and recreation exists or that we even offer all these different cool programs they're interested if they knew about them but they don't they don't necessarily know about them and so that's that's one of the conversations that we're having is finding different ways to be able to do that so we'll be able to share a little bit more about that um, next month and kind of the different measures that we're using so there's a translation component to that as well um, hiring more diverse staff, hiring staff that's multilingual. So that's one part of it for being able to just make our facilities more welcoming and being able to interact with people that come into our facilities. But then there's also more of a traditional communications piece like looking at uh, adding in uh, not newsletters per se, but, but more focused like uh, email that we send out kind of mid-season that says, Hey, I know it's been like three months since we last put out our activity guide, but here's some other activities that are going out. Because I think people forget that we, it's been so long since that activity guide comes out. Because, you know, for winter and spring programming, that comes out in December if people start registering for that. Well, we have programs all the way into May with that season. And I think people might sometimes forget about that. So I think that there's other ways that we can reach out to I think it's important to note too that you may not see a lot of advertising for swimming lessons because they're generally at capacity. So we don't advertise a lot because they tend to fill within days of registration opening. So we tend to advertise for programs that are newer programs or programs we're trying to grow. So I wouldn't say that just because you don't see advertising, it's partially to help with the frustration level of people that, that see it and want to get in when it's full or when we're at capacity. So one of the other things to add to the communication side of things, um, we we recognize we have this this wonderful breakfast program that takes 50% off of most everything that we do um, for those that are income eligible. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, we have a new initiative that we launched last year, the Rec and Ride program, where we subsidize 50% of people's transportation costs. They come here, we give them a, a bus pass to get home. A lot of people don't know about that. So we're working with the communications office. 
Um, actually, just this last month, we we uh, they worked with us to create a video on our rep and ride program. So we're going to be able to start promoting that on our social media page and on our web page and getting that out to the community so people can learn one that we have that program and then two how it actually works. So it kind of walks them through the step by step. We want to do the same with Rock Assist. Um, We'll, we'll probably look at doing something with our swim lesson scholarship um, as we're teaching all kids how to swim in Iowa City through the Every Child Learns to Swim program. Um, and that's going to be our topic for our next um, preparation staff meeting is what other, what other areas are out there that we can, that we can engage people that, we, that might be barriers to recreation? What can we do as a, as a staff and as a department to help overcome some of those obstacles? So, Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, I, I was just thinking. Sometimes, just good old-fashioned posters. I, I, um, in terms of readings, for example, at Prairie Lights, they they've got a stylized poster, and it really captures people. You know, they were in Oasis and the public library, and I don't know. It's old-fashioned, but I think it could get more than it's exciting, and it could. It might be worth a try. It doesn't. Anyway, something like that for the roller skating. Yes. Continuous for this more um, is it just this month or through the spring? Roller ski? Yeah. yeah. That'll, that'll be through May. Okay, through yeah. May. But yeah, something like that. I don't know if we're under capacity with people or over capacity. No, but I mean it's a free event and it's a great it's a great event. We actually have a really good turnout for the roller okay, ski. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well anyway, there are uh, there are a lot of people going through and milling about it in front of that message board and um, at the at the public library and I'm there a lot and yeah. I'm willing to help in any way. So. Okay. Well that's a good suggestion. Do you, um, I know some uh, some information from the city comes out to like next door, um, where I've heard about some things, uh, and I find that's pretty useful because it's pretty local content. Yeah. Uh, do do you does the right department? We use that. that yeah, we use that sparingly. We use it more so during the summer months when we're announcing, hey, we've got a party in the park event that's going to be in your neighborhood, where it is more targeted to the actual as where we're going to be doing some of our mobile recreation. Um, not, not as much for um, events that we have during the winter months where it's more here and then we're able to be blasting that out to all the different communities or all the neighborhoods. Any other questions on the communications side of things? Um, just wanted to touch on a couple recaps from, from last month for events. So, on uh, January 16th, we had a wonderful MLK Day of Service event out at Mercer Park. We had a lot of people that came out for that, um, a lot of folks that were in, in the march. And then we also had some service projects going on, some crafts and activities that were going on out there. Dolores gave a wonderful uh, presentation up there. She did very good. Very good day over there. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a great event and it seemed like everyone was having a good time there. Um, a couple weeks ago we did our uh, STEAM and technology open house here, which uh, we were showing off some robotics or microscopes or drones, all kinds of different cool stuff. So we had um, some people that were out here, some different families having fun. And then last week we did our Freeze Fest, which this is going to be one of the events that we're targeting for growth in the future. This is going to be a, an event that we really think that we can add a lot to. Um, but we had a good turnout. It was 
not so much the freezing part of things. It was, I think, in the 40s. But, uh, but people had fun nevertheless. We had a lot of partners that were involved with that event. Um, we had s'mores and hot chocolate. We had the Raptor Center out there, uh, World of Bikes, um, Green Iowa, AmeriCorps. Um, I, know, I know that there was a few others there, too, but it was a great event. Um, a lot of different families coming out and enjoying that. So, We've been busy, even though it is the winter months, we still we still manage to stay plenty busy during this time. And then summer right around the corner, so we're, we're definitely planning on that. Thanks for the update, Mark. I appreciate it. Tyler is. Tyler's been here tonight. Uh, the only thing I would announce from Tyler's group is that uh, we just got word today that the Chatta Green Playground is going to arrive in the next few days. We've been waiting almost a year for it, so uh, that'll be one of our first installs come when the weather, we get through the freeze cycle, so that's good. Chatta Green is uh, Friendship Drive, uh, kind of uh, south of City High, real broad terms. Heading Court Street, heading east, yeah, yeah going yeah. in that direction. Perfect. Right. Great. I don't have anything for chair's report at this time, and so we can go around and see if there's any other items from the commission or future agenda. We'll start with Rachel. We'll just kind of go around. Do you have anything? Oh, I, I did have a question about trees, and but anyway, since uh, Tyler's not here, I'll just you can email it to me or I can get it to him if you want to go sooner. Yeah. Nothing for me. I'm good, thanks. No, I uh, just appreciate all the updates. Yeah, thank you. Don't I have a suggestion or even a question because I, I just don't know. Do you do. Is there a um, softball team, baseball team, football team, something like that? from center to center, playing against each other or against other centers? So baseball, softball are pretty much are, uh, provided here by the Youth Sports Association. So they have their, they provide the teams. They do have teams. teams. They do have teams. Then this is like based on each recreation center. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Brad, maybe know more on how the teams are created. I'm not sure. I, I think a lot of it's based off of who's wanting to coach and, okay. and if there's some other kids that are wanting to be on that coach's team. And, yeah, I, I so, don't think it's very like by neighborhood. So for the for oh. the for the school age kids, it, we provide the fields, and then they provide the they provide the programming. Um, adults, adults, we yeah. we no longer offer adult softball. Oh, we did okay. for a long time. We actually rented fields from the university to do so. Mm -hmm. um, it would dwindle to such a point that we didn't have enough teams hardly to have a real oh, wow. season. Whereas Corville had capacity, so the teams that still wanted to play mm -hmm. are in Corville playing. Okay. One of those things you never thought would die in yeah. yeah. person recreation, but it's been seeing a nice slow death. Yeah. Does a soccer league do? Is that through the city or no? Um, no, Iowa City Kickers is supported by us and associated with us, but not us. Just echo Brad, you did quite well, so I can probably thank you that. So it was great to see you. So. All right. And with that, there's no other items on the agenda, so we'll adjourn. Appreciate everybody being here this evening. Thank you. All right.